Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4017 of the Bugle, audio newspaper for the most visual of all worlds for the week beginning Monday, the 20th of February, 2017. I am Andy Zaltzman. I may be 42 years old, but I can bench 670. I can run 10k in 17 minutes, all because my body is a fine-tuned machine. We are in a shed, if I may quote someone else. We are in my shed in South London this week. It's rectangular, in case you were wondering. And I'm joined by someone who is considerably more adept with words than when I first met her at the age of noughts. From our Radiotopia sister podcast, The Illusionist, it's my actual sister, down from the attic for one day only. Helen Zaltzman. Hello, Andy. Thanks for giving me outside privileges for one day only. <laughs> yeah, no one is allowed in this shed. This is my shed. Yeah. You get your own shed. I can't. I have nowhere to live. <laughs> <laughs> I could put one in the attic. Right. At the end of the bed. Yeah. Next to the door. You so. didn't specify what you were benching 670 of. Oh, right. Uh, Molecules. Tons? Is it tons? What I do you bench these tons. days? Yeah. Dogs. Do you bench a lot? Plenty benching. <laughs> a door or a bench? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's minutes. A bench six seventy minutes slept, is spending eleven hours and ten on minutes bench. on a bench. <laughs> <in> a <park. laughs> yeah, that seems like you. Well done. Yeah. You've really improved your personal best. Thank you very much. This is uh, the people for the week, beginning Monday, the twentieth of February, the twentieth, which means, from a presidential point of view, one month down, ninety-five to go. The end is in sight. Or forty-seven um, to go. Let's be realistic, Helen. It's going to be ninety-five because. I think, judging by the way it's going, it is very unlikely that any opposition will be legally allowed to stand in the next general election, or indeed anyone will be able to vote apart from uh, senior editors at Breitbart. So, but, you know, it's all written in the Constitution, it's fine. Some historic anniversaries, as always. 20th of February, 1792, George Washington signed the Postal Service Act, um, establishing the U.S. Post Office Department, latterly the U.S. Postal Service. And on the 21st of February, 1792, a U.S. Uh, Post Office Department's rider rode a donkey coast to coast in 26 hours, although there were then suspicions raised that the donkey and the rider were using illegal uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And, of course, the U.S. Postal donkey riding team was disqualified from the 1793 Tour of America. Um, and on this day, 140 years ago, Helen, 1877, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that that was the day that uh, the world saw the world premiere of Pete Tchaikovsky's platinum-selling smash hit ballet, Swan Lake. Yeah, nothing to do with rocket science. No, well, exactly. Um, I mean, you literally do not need to be... I mean, um, I think rocket science and an interest in ballet are not mutually exclusive, but neither are they mutually dependent. Explains a lot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When I went... I've I've not gotten into that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That is very unusual for you. When you were a child, you had an end to sentences that you began before falling asleep in the back of the car and completed after waking up about an hour and a half later. Sometimes you just need to take a rest in the middle before you can uh, come to the spectacular conclusion. That was... I've never known anyone else do that. That was quite spectacular. Fall asleep mid-sentence and And, then... And uh, wake up up and finish the sentence. Well, I get bored of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I hope there was an you know an hour and a half of internal monologue going on. In between. <laughs> it was basically a Henry James sentence where it lasts for four thousand words, and uh, there's no punctuation. God, we're only at what three minutes, and we've already had Tchaikovsky and Henry James in this podcast. Our brows there, right? The cutting edge. <laughs> the world premiere of uh, of Swan Lake got some stinking reviews. To be fair, from the Moscow Literalist magazine, one star, unrealistic, not enough swans. I wanted a lake made of swans. And today's Billiard Addict Monthly, one star. No games of billiards played in the entire <laughs> performance. As always, a section of the Bugle going straight in the bin. This week, we look at all the latest computer games releases, including Thrangs of Arvalia, fantasy roleplay slash Thundergore tea time cake snack swords and saucers epic from the makers of Gliverard, Slaughterhound of the Nephrain. That game, of course, banned in France after it included a section where you had to metamorphose the eponymous Gliverard into a Bavarian sausage and using the special power surge button make him beat a baguette to death. Um, Thrangs of Arvalia, very much uh, in the same uh, mode as that. Also, we review Hammer Shit versus the Pranger. That's um, pretty self-explanatory. Finally, Helen, the two baddest badasses from the Grindwinder franchise, of which uh, I, know, I know you're a huge fan, are paired in the classic deathmatch grot fire torture wrestle Savage out for control of the high magmatron. Um, it's been too long. I mean, last year's Hammer Shit versus Bella the Butterfly was way too easy. Flutter, flutter, ka smash. No fun at all. Um, sports games, as always. I know you're big into your sports simulation games, Helen. Better, better than the real thing. <laughs> How dare you say that Actually, in very, my shed? I was very big into the uh, Sega 1992 Olympics game. Were you? Yeah. Right. But what did you have to do in that? You did Olympian events, right. did hurdling. So I think I remember cool. playing some, forcing you to play some sports simulation games when we were children. That's the benefits of being five years older than you. I didn't realise they were based on a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new out this year, Ivor Robson Golf Announcer 2017. Exciting new game from the retired former European golf tour starter, Ivor Robson, who announced pro golfers to the waiting crowds on the first tee for over 40 years. Exciting game, Miss Helen. Can you announce a golfer's country of origin and name in a Scottish accent whilst a giant albatross is trying to peck your eyes out, Flocks of alien eagles are trying to rip your liver out and zombie caddies are swinging at you with a pitching wedge and screaming fake yardages to the green. All action. Uh, the latest slew of Downton Abbey spin-off games are out this week as well. Um, Mrs. Hughes's Pinafore Hell and Mild Flirtation with Lady Mary. Those should be big sellers. And Butler Mutiny 4, subtitled Make Your Own F***ing Tea, Schmuck. Um, <laughs> and uh, best of all, Mike... <laughs> Don't worry, this section of the minute is very nearly ended. <laughs> best of all... Um, and I think you've been playing this this week. Um, maybe give us a full review. Michael Gove's farmyard referendum. Can you can you talk the turkeys into voting for Christmas? Can you convince the cows that beef is best? Can you persuade the pigs to back their own bacon? Can you chivvy the chickens into nominating their own nuggets for nullification? Can you just just one more? Can you shame the sheep into legislating against lambs? Farmyard referendum tests your powers of political persuasion as you try to hoodwink the herds and flummox the flocks into voting against their own best interests. Personally endorsed. By Michael Gove, the former alleged Education and Justice Secretary, official saviour of all the Britannias and part-time emissary of Beelzebub. That, uh, of course, is the latest offering from EA Politics. <laughs> there is a lot of horse shit in that game. Quite literally, yeah. Uh, appropriately enough. <laughs> uh, that section, that section, uh, regrettably, in the bin. Top story this week. No, Donald, you are not getting first dibs this week. You've had your turn. It's someone else's go. Ellen. Top story. The evolution of all life. Which, ironically, is something that Donald Trump wants to stop as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Well, there's some great stories yeah. in terms of where life on Earth is going this week. Yeah, if uh, if you're a retromaniac, then you'll be excited at uh, the latest comeback of uh, something that had fallen out of style, the woolly mammoth. Oh, awesome. Yeah, a Harvard team of scientists say that they reckon in a couple of years' time they may have been able to create a hybrid of the Asian elephant, the woolly mammoth's closest living relative, and a woolly mammoth, uh, the uh, the mammophant. The, the mammophant. <laughs> <laughs> that was my wrestling name. Um, so this is, I mean, ev- I mean, obviously, when it comes to evolution, the jury is still very much out on whether evolution has, uh, on balance, been good or bad for this planet. On the plus side... Uh, it's made the planet much more famous than it used to be before there was life. On the minus side, it's been quite bad for the environment because <laughs> species you know, breathe out and then we develop cars. So, you know, I don't know if it's been good or bad, but it's a bit odd, isn't it, to, mm. to, to, to pick- bring back something rather than look after the stuff that's already there. You could say that, Andy, but I think the reason why they want to bring back the mammoth is so that they can make them extinct again with climate change. Oh, right. Double whammy. Because the first time no one was there to see it. Was well, that... a few people were there, but uh, those uh, enjoy early mankind just just went on their way, didn't really... Uh, yeah, didn't... we want to get satisfaction out of extinctifying other species because we are locked in this evolutionary race. Yeah, you don't want to waste that Instagrammable moment. Particularly not an awesome species like, like the mammoth. You see, I read this headline that we could have woolly mammoths ro- roaming the countryside again within two years, great big shaggy tusk-wielding proboscis-waggling hipster elephants galumphiating all over the place. Even by the time of the next Cricket World Cup, Helen, that shows how soon it is, uh, within two years. Um, but these are Harvard boffins. Boffins. We, it's always, you know, boffins. boffins. We're, we're in the media. We can call them boffins. boffins. Yeah, bloody scientists with their research and experiments. Well, they reckon they could have an embryo in two years' time. I don't know how long it takes a woolly mammoth to reach uh, maturity right. and be able to gun on all over the place. Yeah. Um, but um, have you been to the La Brea Tar Pits in Los Angeles? I have not. It's, um, no. It's, uh, La Brea Tar Pits, ironically, actually played for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers in the 1960s. <laughs> it is an, uh, an ancient pond of tar and uh, they have some fairly well-preserved mammoths that wandered in and then got stuck and died because once you're in the tar you're not getting out of the tar and then what they also have um <laughs> that sounds like you're one of a threat from your mafia days helen once you're in the tar you're not getting out of the tar <laughs> but they they also have about five thousand bones from wolf dicks because wolves <laughs> wolves would see the mammoths stuck in the tar uh leaping there leaping there to uh to oh, well they were going to eat them but also possibly right. them and then they also nice got stuck ho- in the piece tar of and horny died. mammoth ass sticking out of that tar <laughs> oh yeah so maybe this will make wolf dick bones great again <laughs> that is the tough subject to make america great again <laughs> Wolf Dickbones, I'm a CNN newsreader who uh, Trump has a bit of a beef with at the moment, of course. Um, I've seen a lot of conspiracy theories going around about what the government is up to in America, um, but none of them have mentioned this. So this is an exclusive scoop. Right. The Wolf Dickbones or the Mammoths? The Wolf Dickbones. Right. I'm concerned about this. To me, it seems a surefire stepping stone, these, these boffins in their laboratory messing around with mammoth sperm, whatever they're doing. Um, it is a surefire stepping stone to everyone having to swerve their cars all over the place on motorways because a f***ing mammoth has wandered onto it. And the mammoth will be thinking, oh, well, this didn't used to be here when my granny was around. This place has really changed. 
what do you mean honk? You don't scare me. We used to wrestle stegosauruses, I think. So, um, you know, it, we are an, an identity. I mean, it's going to be confusing, world. isn't it? How is if the you're a mammoth who self-identify. Well, it's mixed, mixed species. Mixed species. But, I mean, mm. you say I'm a mammoth. But what does that mean now? That doesn't mean mammoths of 5,000 years. So they're also going to have to reconfigure. It's all, it's, all, it's all identity politics now, isn't it? Even yeah. if you're a woolly mammoth. A woolly mammoth hybrid elephant embryo. Uh, more pressingly, Andy, where are you going to live, given that you favour uh, Ice Age-style habitats and <laughs> the world is quite warm? Yeah. Somewhere oh, air- yes. What about yeah. an air-conditioned mall in Dubai? Yeah, I mean, that's, to be honest, I'm quite surprised they do not have already animatronic mammoths and dinosaurs in those malls in Dubai on the grounds that they've basically got everything else there. They've got an ice hockey rink there. Really? Yes. I think I've talked about this before on the view. Another ice hockey rink in the shopping mall in Dubai. Well, mammoths are like... going to adore that. Yeah, well, exactly. Dubai shows that anything can be done no matter how pointless. There can be miracles if you believe. And no matter how many money. slaves have to die in the process. So, um, yeah, work for the pyramids. Why change the winning <laughs> formula? So, um, oh. Anyway, um, the Professor George Church involved in this, uh, this, um, this project to bring back um, the lethal flesh-eating mammoth from he's, the dead. He's the Dickie Attenborough of yes. this, this department of boffins, right? Yeah. Um, he said, um, our aim is, as you say, to create a hybrid mammoth, uh, elephant-mammoth embryo Actually, it would be more like an elephant with a number of mammoth traits. We're not there yet, but it could happen in a couple... Now, this gets less and less exciting, you know. The, yeah, I know. This is basically an elephant with a number of mammoth traits. What he's going to do is dress up an elephant in a Viking outfit. That is not science, <laughs> Helen. That is some kind of bizarre Rudyard Kipling-themed safari park stag do gone too far. That sounds all right. A Rudyard Kipling-themed stag do gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> that is an untapped economic market. <laughs> or maybe it's been tapped as much as it's ever going to be tapped. Yeah. But basically, these are going to be um, elephants that are a bit hairier and uh, have slightly smaller ears and more subcutaneous fat. Yeah. Well, I've often, there's so many times I've been looking at my elephant and thinking, oh, tub up I, a I bit. quite like you, but you could do with more subcutaneous fat. Yeah. That's one of the elephant's great flaws as a species to me. you're body shaming elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to tell them how it is, Helen. I'm joining me outright and taking down the elephant. They're just not beach body ready. <laughs> They're not tar pit body ready. That's the <laughs> they will be once they've starved to death in the tar pit and then been eaten by a wolf. Eaten by a Randy Wolf. There must have been a baseball player called Randy Wolf. Randy Wolf, born August 22nd, 1976, age 40. Uh, Major League Baseball pitcher batted right. left through left. I knew that name rang a bell. I thought you were bullshitting, but it's real. <laughs> what if all the rest of it is real? Played for the Phillies, the Dodgers, the San Diego Padres, Detroit Tigers, the New York Forks, all the classics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on uh, to the future of humans. Is um, bleak? Well, you say bleak, but Elon Musk. Mm. Uh, very much the 21st century Jesus Christ. Um, he has stated that we will have to become cyborgs oh. if we are to survive and thrive in a future dominated by artificial intelligence. I mean, I'm worried about this. I can barely get dressed unassisted. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to put on a fully functioning robot suit every morning and wire myself up. That's going to be. You're not going to be able to compete in a world where things are expected to be useful. <laughs> Zing. That has been bubbling up for 36 years, hasn't it? <laughs> 
Uh, I might. Uh, I mean, is that what a cyborg? I'm not entirely sure what a cyborg is. We'll have, oh. a, we'll have a, let's have a multiple choice quiz, shall we? Okay. What? Who or what is a cyborg? Is it A, an ancient port city in Denmark, famous for being the hometown of uh, Viking king Eric the Disoriented, who, although a fearsome warrior, never managed to get his fleet out of the harbour and at one point rammed six successive ships directly into his next-door neighbour's house? Is a cyborg B... A late 1970s animatronic robot tennis player developed to be able to perfect the defensive baseline game and appeal to the ladies. The SI bit, of course, stood for simulated intelligence. So you had s- s- uh, the Cybjorn, Cybjorn. When you laugh in the middle of a lie, it seems more like a lie. <laughs> that is the one thing that's keeping me away from top-level politics. Uh, is a cyborg short for cybernetic organisation? That's the leisure and entertainment arm of the Bilderberg Group, or is it a being with both organic and biomechatronic bio- body parts? I'll go tennis player. Right, correct. <laughs> it's well, in fact, it's both B and D. Yeah, you know um, uh, the uh, the Greek kybernet from where it. Co- from which uh, cyborg comes, right. uh, meant um, a helmsman or steersman. Right. So it should mean that you're good at steering things. Right. Cyborgs. Well, Elon Musk is steering us towards a uh, kind of space hyperloops, and now this. Yeah. I I think you technically are a cyborg already if you've got something like a pacemaker. And I think. Oh right. I think maybe our mother is a cyborg because she has two artificial hips. <laughs> Oh, awesome. So I'm going to start throwing this around. She's already highly yeah. evolved. What does your mum do? doesn't matter. She's a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that Elon Musk's attitude is if you can't beat them, join them. And make, you know, basically going to make blend us. Or don't invent them, I guess. But. Yeah, I'm not that worried yet. I used to live in a, a flat with um, smart windows, oh, right. uh, skylights that uh, were meant to be so highly evolved. They could close when it rained. And instead... They were closed during bright sunshine, <laughs> open and shut themselves at random, and occasionally got really distressed if there was a pigeon nearby. <laughs> so they, they can have human traits, you see. But, I'm very much the same with pigeons. But once the skylights and other machines become more intelligent than humans, I think we kind of deserve to f*** off and let them have it. <laughs> Fine with it. Da- no, let, let them have it is a, is a dangerous phrase to use. It can be interpreted in a number of, number of different ways. Um, as British legal history... We'll testify. Um, Elon Musk. Poor homme, poor femme, poor, <laughs> poor cyborg. Is um, it true that he was born of the anal gland of a civet? <laughs> I believe, of the Elon civet, yes. Yeah. Yes, the, it's, a very, it's the rarest form of civet. Um, <laughs> but you can get a knockoff at the body on, shop that's almost as good. It's on his website. Um <laughs> He also said there will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot can't do better. He said this at the World Government Summit, and that's, well, President of America, for one. I think wow. we've crossed that boundary already, Elon. Satire. That is, uh, <laughs> well, you say satire. I mean, you're, you're safe. You're not going to be taken over by the, by the mm-hmm. robots. Well, po- podcasting is a very human, uh, human profession. Um, yeah, you could probably program Siri to do my job. Right, well, I mean, but I'm, in fact, I'm de- already developing my own automated satire robot, um, I've got it here. Let's uh, let's give it a go. The government. Ooh, nice things for everyone. Hooray! There you go. It's nearly there. Helen. Sophisticated very, stuff. Very, very nearly there. That's pretty much on a level with some of the stuff you've been coming out with uh, since uh, Trump came into power. Let's come <laughs> oh, down in the morning for breakfast, and you'll be going, "Trump is a." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really, warming up for my really evening clever. gigs, Helen. Really clever, Andy. Well, do I have to be satirical at breakfast? Yeah, right. 24-7. <laughs> Need you now more than ever. <laughs> he also said, Musk, 
if humans want to continue to add value to the economy, which after all nah. is, what, is what we were put on Earth to do as a species. That is our calling, to add value to the economy. He said uh, they must augment their capabilities through a merger of biological intelligence and machine intelligence, basically a non-horny version of Tinder. That's what he's describing there. And um, if you fail to do this, we'll risk becoming house cats to artificial intelligence. House cats have an amazing life. Exactly. I would take that. Absolutely. You would take being a house cat. That sounds a sweet deal. As long as the artificial intelligence is give us a bowl of milk in the morning and let us lounge around on the sofa. Yeah. Cats are useless and they're also very arrogant about um, their own importance. So I think most humans would fit in perfectly. She's speaking truth to power. I think uh, probably most most straight white men certainly are already right there. What? I'm sitting right here. To prove quite how much we do, uh, we cannot be trusted to evolute ourselves, the police in Iceland have uh, had trouble with um, arresting drivers who they thought were drunk, but it turned out were just driving erratically because they were looking at the northern lights. Drunk on natural beauty. Well, exactly. This is, I mean, there's some, this could be quite exciting in some ways. I mean, the health implications, if you can just get, replicates drunkenness by, through the wonders of nature. I mean, stag dudes are going to be completely different. <laughs> uh, you know, well, we got absolutely smashed. You should have seen Mickey. He was off his nuts on the beautiful Picos de Europa mountain range in northern Spain. <laughs> he looked awful at breakfast. He'd gone back to bed to sleep it off. And, uh, and Barry's in a bad way. Uh, he watched the sunset in the Masai Mara in Kenya and spent the next two hours vomiting into a bin before <laughs> passing out on a bench and waking up in a police cell. It's going to be very different. Very, very different indeed. Um, yeah. But if if being distracted by natural beauty causes crashes, does that mean there has never been a car crash in the Russian city of Novosibirsk? Notoriously one of the ugliest cities known to humanity. But then if you are a big fan of brutalism rather right. than uh, magnetic uh, light twiddles, yeah. then uh, maybe that's for you. It takes all sorts. Uh, the president of Iceland uh, did something uh, quite great this week on a school's visit. He said he would pass a ban on pineapple as a pizza topping if he had the power to pass laws on his own. <laughs> I am strongly agree. Yes. I'm with that totalitarian anti-pineapple plan of his. Well, Iceland has some quite... I mean, they, they, there's only about three names you're allowed to legally use for children in Iceland. And if they... If they if, I mean, if they, if they do that, they're going to take pineapple off pizzas as a nation. Yeah, it's not a naturally pineapple-growing region to be honest, and maybe this is not that, that huge a problem. How can you say that about the ice? If they want to grow pineapples, let them grow pineapples. Yeah, but they can't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> can't or won't? Also can't. Okay. This is technology and nature clashing here. Yeah. When I mean, it wasn't a problem before cars, when the Icelandics were all waddling to work on penguins, it, there wasn't. It wasn't an issue. What, Helen? Um, it is what caused car. What, what distracted you when you smashed Mum's car into a bollard in Tunbridge Wells? Uh, I was distracted by the fact that uh, the uh, clutch on her car didn't work after you'd crashed it into a church wall several years <laughs> yeah. earlier. Well, yeah, but I crashed it into a church wall for a good reason, that we are Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's you know, the small bit I could do uh, to, to balance the wrongs of history. But, I mean, were you distracted by the Aurora Tunbridge Wellsiensis? What Queen Victoria used to go down there to watch, I think. I saw Jesus in that bollard. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a old country music song, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> My husband and I got a speeding ticket in Iceland in 2014 because we were trying to see a lot of glaciers in a day. <laughs> so it is dangerous on the roads in Iceland due to the. Uh, is that going to become your Lenny Bruce thing? 
you know, the injustice of being given a speeding ticket for looking at glaciers. It's going to dominate your life. It did precipitate my uh, slide into addiction. On a similar line, in the Netherlands, they've started putting uh, lights on the, on the pavement at road crossings, like red and green. Uh, lights at red yeah, and green. strips of LEDs. For people who are too busy looking at their phones to check the actual traffic lights or look at the traffic. What's more interesting, a phone or traffic to look at? Oh, WhatsApp or traffic, Pokemon Go or traffic. <laughs> you can see why this happens. Um, and uh, yeah, so the lights in the ground will change colour when the traffic lights change colour. Maybe also this is for people who are naturally morose and are right. staring at the ground a lot. Oh, I hadn't thought of it from that point of view. Yeah. What, so when it all like green to just like try and cheer people up? No, it's just you're looking, you're looking slumped oh. down at the ground and... Um, well, the problem is you've got pedestrians looking at the apps, telling them where all the cars are, and then you've got drivers distracted because they're tracking the pedestrians on Google anti-prang. It's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's... I, I say this is a one in the eye for Darwin. We are shitting in his mashed potatoes. Uh, because, I mean, this is basically allowing the survival of the inattentive, which goes against pretty much everything you stood for. Yeah, well, a spokesman of the Dutch Traffic Safety Association did say that this is rewarding bad behaviour. <laughs> So that person and Darwin, very much on the same page. All right, very much like the American electoral system. It's good to have a distracting light in transit section on the bugle this week. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 maybe well. Iceland could learn from the Netherlands and have like a special Batman-style laser beam to aim at the sky and project the words, look at the road, you f***ing numb skull. <laughs> Why don't both countries just put the light to eye level? What? And then it... What, put northern, the northern... Just yeah. get the northern lights to move? Yeah, get the northern lights to move. What right. can't we achieve nowadays right. if we put our minds to it, Andy? <laughs> or can I like, interlink the lights so that they do or don't come on to protect these pedestrians depending on what people are looking at on their phones? So if, for example, they're looking at something on Breitbart, it just ushers <laughs> them into the oncoming traffic. That would work, wouldn't it? It's a just dangerous precedent that I think a lot of people would support. <laughs> Brexit food naming news now, and Europe is in absolute terror at the implications of Brexit, Helen, after suggestions that there could be an influx of British champagne once we're out of, uh, out of the European Union and able to call our food what we want to call it, regardless of whether or not that's what it is. But do you think we would want to call it champagne, a foreign word, or something British, like fizzy booze? <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, well, this article, I mean, well, we've got a great tradition in this country of naming food to seem like something it isn't. For example, sweetbreads. <laughs> oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, what the f*** is that on my plate? Is that a pancreas? I'm sick of this. I'm going to the North American restaurant next door to have the Rocky Mountain oysters. I love seafood. <laughs> um, have you ever had a Rocky Mountain oyster? I haven't. Because that is... That's a testicle, a isn't it? A fried testicle, essentially. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen them served, to be honest, and I have been to the Rocky Mountains. Right, they haven't mentioned them. Is it one of the things that only exists on the internet? I... <laughs> <laughs> British wine, though, of course, um, increasingly well regarded. Yeah, well, because of climate change, wine. we can make more right. of it because it's... it's warm enough uh, for the grapes not yeah. to uh, die of frostbite. Take that, you sceptics out there! Um, not so long ago, British wine was um, well, it was beer essentially, wasn't it? <laughs> um, it was tea. But it does suggest that... I mean, I'm going to change my vote based on this. This is very exciting, I think. And we can read... We can, for British exports, if we can just label stuff just 
make it seem nicer than it is. We're going to earn a huge... I mean, if we can just rebrand e- economy supermarket processed cheese slices as Parmigiano, Reggiano, <laughs> Vintaggio, <laughs> Maturato, Percento, Annie, and Magico Bucketo, and rebrand British Spam as Hamon Imberico, De Bellotta, Patanegro, nom, 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 nom. Then we are going to become the world's leading exporter of foods. Yeah, sandwich spread, foie gras. Why not? <laughs> In other Brexit news today, Helen, uh, perhaps the final nail in the coffin of the Remain cause. It's all over any remaining hope anyone had that we might stay in the EU, that we might somehow turn the referendums into best of three or best of five or best of seven or best of nine or whatever it takes. And that final nail is that Tony Blair has said it is his mission to persuade Britons to rise up and change their minds on Brexit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest opinion poll says there is now a 99.8% uh, vote in favour of uh, of Brexit. That's the power of Blair these days. <laughs> Former Tory leader Ian Duncan Smith said the comments were arrogant and undemocratic, which is like Roger Federer telling you you've got a sweet backhand. That is coming right from the top of the charts. <laughs> Blair also urged us to take a way out from the present rush over the cliff's edge, to which the Brexiteers' response is, Thelma and Louise is a happy ending. So, <laughs> we go. Well, you don't know what happens to them. Just because yes. it looks like they might be uh, on their way to inevitable make death. A sequel where that alien spaceship swoops down and catches them. They just made a sequel where it was vultures pecking their corpses <laughs> for two hours. Bit arty. It's a kind of French art house style. <laughs> Did it in one shot, though. In related news, uh, this is uh, a story that sounds upsetting at the start, Andy. Uh, A Nottinghamshire man, Stephen Marriott, was one day trying to pour out some bran flakes for his nine-year-old son Oscar's breakfast, and no bran flakes came out the box. No bran flake exit. No Brexit. (laughs) So he went to investigate the absence of Brexit and found that it was not down to some complex legislation that they couldn't possibly enact. Uh, The box was blocked by one massive bran flake, 14 by 10 centimetres, closely followed by a 7 by 4 centimetre bran flake. But there's no glory being the second biggest bran flake in the box. Did this massive bran flake have the face of Ken Clark imprinted on it or not? (laughs) Uh, strongly implied. More looked like, um, I don't know, a, a skin condition Ken Clark might have. Uh, and uh, Stephen Marriott has not eaten the bran flake. I think he is too busy worshipping it right. now. Yes. Well, that's understandable. I mean, it shows it was just 14 by 10 centimetres. Yeah. That is huge for a bran flake. <laughs> it's a any breakfast cereal. I mean, it shows what we can achieve, what we'll be able to achieve as an independent nation. If we can produce 140 square centimetres of cereal flake while still in the EU, imagine how enormous our cereals are going to be when we're no longer tied down by Brussels, stipulating that the maximum size of a cornflake is 4.1327 square centimetres and that the Weetabixes can't weigh more than the average Portuguese goat's left ventricle. We're going to have bran flakes the size of surfboards, Helen. You can, you can surf your mammoth on a bran flake in few. Once we're out of, out of Europe... This is a new utopia we voted for. Um, after this uh, modern-day miracle of a God-given giant bran flake, surely a sign from the Almighty that he's about to send his... Uh, his second biggest bran flake his, uh, <laughs> right out of the box. <laughs> um, and he, gets to, he, he, he whacked it on eBay. Uh, no. I was hoping to, to get £1,000 for it. Might be slightly over its money there. I mean, um, how much is a box of bran flakes? Three quid? I don't know. That would take some of the charm out of the story. Also taking charm out of the story, he's called Steve Marriott, which is the name of my favourite singer of all time 
from uh, Small Faces and subsequently Humble Pie. Are you sure it's not the same Steve Marriott? No, no, he sadly died in a house fire about 25 years ago. When people look up Steve Marriott on the internet, they're now going to find a story about a man trying to profit from an unusually large small thing. Well, he did achieve more than... uh, (laughs) Rather than the music of a man whose lungs could have cracked the moon in half. Um, But it seems like a... Yeah. That seems like a lot of big money. Brown flake, though, Andy. Th- thousand big pounds. Brown flake music or a very, very big brown flake. Do you think it's? Do you think it's overpriced? Yeah. Well, if you calculate um, the price of a brown flake per square centimeter, right. then I think it is uh, batting above. One of the things that goes up exponentially. <laughs> Evidently. Well, it's like footballers, isn't it? I mean, it's not, you know, a, a you know a million percent difference between you know, Wayne Rooney and someone who plays for his local club side, but. You know, to get to the very top, you've got to pay them that much more. Maybe it's the same with brown flakes. Maybe. The thing is, if you bought it for £1,000 on eBay, expecting to get the biggest brown flake, and then it's snapped in the post. Oh, God. The value is <laughs> just vanished. Also, if Van Gogh's sunflowers are worth 30 million quid, and they weren't even real, surely this has to be <laughs> worth more than that. An actual brown flake, rather than some a, a, a picture of some non-existent sunflowers. What about if uh, you painted a sunflower on the brown flake? Because there's the run. Yeah, there is the room. There are not many brown flakes that you could paint a, a you know roughly life-size sunflower on. Imagine if this was a large piece of a cereal that actually tasted nice. Well, exactly. For Five those, grand I'd, for, for Cheerio, the size, <laughs> <laughs> the size of a rubber ring that a child could swim in. For those of you who aren't familiar with brown flakes, they aren't the most exciting cereal. Essentially, like um, psoriasis in a box. <laughs> <laughs> that was the. Uh, that was the B-side to um, Sting's message in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for the return of... The Trumpet. In which we chronicle the thrummelings of the presidency of Donald Trump. The Trumpet section's been out of the show for a few weeks on the grounds that it has become the show. But I'm, I'm determined to squeeze it back into a controllable-sized audio box. You're a hero. Thank you. And I believe other comedic outlets are covering much of Trump's story, including I've seen his. Nothing. <laughs> his <laughs> made very little impact. His, um, I know uh, John uh, John Oliver was back on uh, back on last week. Splitter, and um, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> he just he just did an hour and a half about margarine. The difference between margarine and butter. That's bullshit. Yeah. So I mean, he had this bizarre press conference yesterday. The seventy-seven minute. Um, I mean, it looked like there was he just someone had not screwed his his brain back in properly. Like it was, I mean, he's out of he's out of Westworld, I think. It was a bit like the political speech equivalent of scat singing. <laughs> <laughs> I've said, but I'm not comfortable with politics being riffed. It just seems wrong. Um, earlier in the week, uh, he was on similarly riffy form when chatting with uh, Benny Netanyahu. Um, <laughs> His uh, big buddy from Israel uh, about, uh, and he basically was saying two state solution, one state solution. Why don't they go for one and a half states? I have a problem with this term one state solution because it's not a solution, mm. is it? I mean, that's that is a solution in the way that finding the corpse of an unidentified man in your living room and then solving that problem by rolling it under your sofa. That's is that level of solution. Do they mean solution like when you pour salt into water and it becomes salty water <laughs> and thus the salt is uh, basically obliterated right. as a as a substance in its own right? Yes. I mean that as Palestinians are the salt. Oh, thanks very much Thank for clarifying yeah. that. Yeah, and also which, tears. Which the, right. Yeah. 
Yes. Do you think he knows what, what even what country it's referring to? Not sure, actually. Um, yeah, I don't know if he'd have if he'd have heard of it. I, rem- um, I remember some years ago you had a, a better solution for the problems of Israel. Which was what? Build a second floor. Build? Did I? Yeah. Got that bit of my early stand-up? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Second I th- floor. I yeah. think it's more and more workable. It's been a bungalow for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the trouble that's caused. Um, I remember John and I did a thing in the radio series in the very early days. I think dragging dragging the whole Middle East to Antarctica to cool it down. That might help. Working up Antarctica oh. to not melt. <laughs> Otherwise, great. I've, I said about three weeks ago I needed a week off, and I've had no weeks off from, Why, from Trump. If only he could think of your well-being. And exactly. Just so he's f- very inconsiderate about how stressful it is for comedians trying to write material that is at least very slightly different from the material everyone else is writing. Yeah, you're the ones that are really suffering. We are suffering. We are, we There's are a lot of campaigning for people affected by the travel bans and uh, and for yeah. women's health and stuff, but this is with, what people should be... Where, where are the protests? You can see you can see the fear and the, the fatigue in my eyes, Helen. You can see the fatigue in your eyes, but that's because you watch sport in the night. Shh! <laughs> no, one, no one knew that. Everyone knew people that. People who listened to the show for that. ten years didn't know Everyone that. Everyone knew that. Your emails. Here's one from Yubi Butt, who says, yes, that is my tragically real name. It's a lovely name, Yubi Butt. Don't be ashamed. Is Yubi, do we know if it's short for anything? Do, do we know? I mean, it would be odd know. to shorten something to Yubi if Why? your surname was Butt. Why? Well, Why would it be odd? What could possibly be odd when your surname's Butt? Like, no one really cares about the first part of your name. <laughs> I think, think Yubi Butt of all people would know this. Yubi uh, says, um, Andy, I know you're not exactly the most, shall we say, orthodox Jewish person, but... <laughs> yeah, I like to come at it from a different angle. But perhaps you could be tempted back into the faith by this, a festive bag of plagues. <laughs> this be a bit of Passover merch, I assume, um, because Jews aren't naturally attracted by plagues just any old day of the year. Um <laughs> Yubi says, each one comes with a little rubber representative of the ten plagues of Egypt, including a fake fly to represent flies, an eye patch to simulate darkness, and boils, symbolised herein by a pink glittery bouncy ball. It's time to put the pestilence back into Pesach. (laughs) I went to a Passover last year for the first time since 1987, and they had plague finger puppets and uh, masks, so everyone got to dress as a different plague. (laughs) It was magnificent. Where was that when we were kids? Well, I might have yeah. stayed in the faith. Yes. Um, stayed in? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I might have given it a shot. I mean, I'd started getting a little bit sceptical about the faith at the age of eight days old for fairly obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this is this is quite spectacular. I mean, I guess it's good to, you know, introduce children to the concept of the wrath of God in an entertaining and accessible fashion. Um, yeah, it just uh, sweetens the pill, doesn't yeah. it? And also then they've got... Uh, Three marbles and a bouncy ball, so that's useful. Yeah. <laughs> um, this email uh, came, and we had some excellent emails in this week, but because Helen and I have banged on for so long, we're going to save most of them for next week. Uh, do keep them coming in to hello buglers at the buglepodcast.com. This came in from Richard. Uh, hello, Andy. I enjoyed your Trump themed um, two clue cryptic crossword in the bugle a few weeks back. It seems that Donald Trump offers quite a few possible avenues for cruciverbal contumely. Blimey. 
Um, he obviously knew you were coming on the show. Fancy words. My submission is this. No backtracking as dickhead is embraced by alt-right flinging shit around. Six comma five. Yeah, that's, I mean, that works, I think. I assume no explanation is required. Um, <laughs> with a smiley face, keep up the good work. So, uh, yeah, if you've got any cryptic crossword clues for Donald Trump, keep them flooding in. Or bright, I'm sure Breitbart you could get some real <laughs> absolute gold out of. Um, uh, but they don't have any black squares in the Breitbart crossword. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, you're very naughty. You're part of the media, and that makes you naughty. Uh, keep those emails coming in to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. Just time for a very quick sports section. And uh, Helen, I've kept it short because I know you're not massively into sport Thank because you. you are a failure as a human being. Yep. Yes, but we I are am. getting to if the. This is what it is to be a human being. I don't want to be one. Cyborgs all the way, <laughs> woolly mammoths all the way. We are getting to the business end of the season in the tic-tac-toe major leagues in America, the world's leading noughts and crosses uh, competition, of course. And we have the latest scores from this week's round of matches. The Nantucket Nine Squares, nil. Tulsa Tic Tacers, nil. <laughs> Miami Grid, nil. Nashville Nauticals, nil. Sacramento Triple T's, nil. Montreal XO's, nil. Houston 3x3's, nil. Colorado Crisscrosses, nil. <laughs> and finally, Honolulu Line'em Ups, nil. Louisville Lunatics, Nil. And like uh, them, we have all this too. <laughs> another valuable away point for the Hawaiians there. Uh, the uh, new one points for a draw system really benefiting this season. Current standings after 72 rounds of the season. All teams currently on 72 points. Thanks very much for listening, Buglers. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Helen, I think you're back on in March sometime, aren't you? Great. Yes. It'll be nice to come out the attic again next month. <laughs> if you're allowed out and fed sometime in March. Oh, I found half a walnut in my pocket. Um, do listen to Helen's wonderful Illusionist podcast. And, Have you uh, ever heard it? And answer me this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even heard my own podcast for about five years. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, come and see my, my tour shows, which next week are in uh, Nottingham, Wolverhampton and Southampton. Uh, all details at andyjoltsum.co.uk uh, website of the year, I believe, uh, in the International Website Awards. I uh, will see you all at all of those gigs, Buglers. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.